You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, everybody, welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Professor Trent Nichols with me here today. We are short a couple of players, but uh, we're going to do our best. So uh, bear with us. Brick. The inimitable Robert Bricky is uh, MIA today. Kaplan may come in to talk some golf, and I'm certain that at some point Brandon Atkins will show his face up in the air. <laughs> he better. We can, only, we can only hope. We can only hope. So everybody, everything we talked about in the last couple of weeks was leading up to this weekend with the beginning of legit, mean it, for real football. And I got to be honest, um, I wasn't disappointed. No, me neither. So I mean, a great weekend of football overall. What uh, <coughs> what games stuck out in your head? Well, I mean, the one that I uh, enjoyed, I was actually a little surprised because I think I don't know if I was kidding myself or I thought more of. But I was disappointed in Michigan. I mean, Michigan's defense is supposed to be, you know, this powerhouse defense. And Notre Dame, I mean, it was a close game, but it really wasn't if you watched it. Well, here's the thing with, with that Michigan-Notre Dame game. First of all, I, conf- I, I it was confirmed for me. Notre Dame's just not that good. Mm-mm. Wimbush last year struggled with his accuracy. And there was no difference Saturday night. No. The thing with it was the highlight play from that game was the 55-yard touchdown down the seam into coverage that should have been picked off. And that wasn't really the story, but that was a 50-50 ball. And Michigan, you know, players are going to make plays. The receiver did a good job going up, fighting off the defender, coming down with it. But that was sort of the end of Notre Dame really asserting themselves on offense. I was I was impressed with the way Michigan's defense played the rest of the way. Yeah. I think my takeaway from it is that Brian Kelly is a better college football coach than Jim Harbaugh. And I say that because Notre Dame showed up ready to play. They had a game plan. They exerted their will through most of the first half. Michigan had the, the return for a touchdown that pulled them back within striking distance. My issue with no, with Michigan is that offense. It's putrid. And it has been since Harbaugh got there. And I don't understand what's happened to Harbaugh. It would be one thing to go back and say, well, his track record leading up to this is is Stanford, where he had Andrew Luck, who at the time was you know one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen play college football. Yeah. And then he goes into the NFL, and he's got a stacked San Francisco team, 
can't win the big one, but they were productive. And, you know, he sort of resurrected Alex Smith's career when he got there. Then he created in his system Colin Kaepernick, who, you know, moved into the American consciousness. His track record as an offensive coach goes back farther than that. And most of you that are listening don't know. First of all, I don't think there's too many people can tell me where he coached prior to Stanford. Can you? No. He coached at the University of San Diego. <clears throat> he was at San Diego from 04 to 07. And what he did there is what got Division One's attention and ultimately landed in the Stanford job. Had a heck of a record while he was there. But when you talk about what he was able to do with college quarterbacks, it starts at San Diego. Josh Johnson was his starter for the most of the time that he was there at San Diego. Harbaugh's final year, 07, was Josh Johnson's senior year at the University of San Diego. And some very close NFL fans will recognize Josh Johnson. He's played for about 10 different teams in the NFL. No, no exaggeration. He's a journeyman. He's been a backup all over the place. Actually had a moment in time where it looked like he might start for Tampa Bay, I believe. Yeah. No, he did. He won the gig. He was supposed to be it. Josh Johnson, his senior year at the University of San Diego, playing against lesser competition, mind you, set the all-time record for passing efficiency in the NCAA. It still stands. Hmm. As a senior, this is a legit stat. This is not Madden. This is not NCAA 2014. (laughs) I think that's the last time they were able to do it with licensing. 43 touchdowns, one pick for the season. Ended up with a passer rating of 198. Josh Johnson did that in Harbaugh's system. Then you go forward to Stanford, where he put Stanford back on the map. Yeah, Stanford at this point has has sort of transcended that. But Andrew Luck, people think about it and they're like, "Well, you know, he fell up into it." And Andrew Luck was about the 12th best quarterback in his high school class coming in. He was, I don't know, seventh or eighth in terms of drop back passers rating if you go back and you look at the rankings coming out of high school, which don't mean a lot. But Andrew Luck was not looked at it by anybody as a can't-miss prospect coming to Stanford. What? And what Harbaugh <laughs> did with him was nothing short of amazing. I mean, he turned that guy into a number one pick in the draft, a guy that was, you know, Right, he was shooting like a comet once he hit the NFL. Yeah, like he was, he was heralded as like the greatest quarterback yes. since John Elway. Yes, and now he's trying to get back to that. But my point is, is that it's somewhere along the way, at some point from the time that Harbaugh and Andrew Luck parted ways, Jim Harbaugh's lost his ability to teach young men to play offensive football. And I stand by that. And I felt that way going into this weekend. Now I know it hmm. because. I follow Ole Miss fairly closely. And over the course of a year and a half, Shea Patterson was a really, really, really good Division I quarterback until he hurt his knee. That knee has not hindered him. I watched him roll, throw out, throw on the run. I know what kind of athlete he is. But I watched him play and absolutely get handcuffed by his system this weekend there at Michigan. And for the last three years, what we've heard about Harbaugh is, well, you know, he hasn't gotten his quarterback in there. Well, this isn't speculative. This isn't some high school kid that we've heard about. This is a guy I've seen do this against SEC competition, and then he shows up at Michigan, and all of a sudden he's no good. Yeah, but is this early? It definitely is early. 
definitely, definitely is early, and Michigan could make some adjustments. And if I had any confidence at all in Harbaugh that he was going to react and fix this, I'd be like, hey, Michigan fans, don't sweat this. But I don't because I've watched him for three years not be able to move the football with any consistency. He cannot decide what he wants that offense to be. And there is a breakdown in a couple of areas. One is in game plan. Mm -hmm. He cannot get out of his own way and wants to go back to running out of the eye and running out of two tight end sets and playing smash mouth Michigan football. But at the same time, he can't coach up offensive linemen well enough to run the ball like that. Patterson was running for his life this weekend. I don't understand what's happened with Harbaugh, and I don't know if it was him reading too much of his own press. I don't know, and this is funny to say about a young man, but maybe offensive football has passed him by because he's not evolved with the times. In this day and age, you want to spread them out, create mismatches, and exploit those. Michigan never does that to anybody. And all of the folks out there say, ah, well, you're overreacting with with Harbaugh. You know, he's a block <laughs> punt away from beating Miss, uh, Michigan State a couple years ago. He's a, he's a bad spot away from beating Ohio State a couple years ago. Cool. In that Ohio State game, Ohio State played one of the worst football games they played in years. Mm-hmm. Michigan should have beaten them by four touchdowns. That game never should have been that close. Michigan State? Come on, man. They're so completely hit or miss. I get that it's a rivalry game. But when is is Harbaugh going to put his team in position where those breaks go his way? I don't see it coming down the pipe. And when Braylon Edwards jumps on Twitter and says basically everything that I just said in you know 144 word bursts, such that he gets suspended. Yeah, by I was going to say, network. careful. <laughs> uh, I, I'm We're not holding anybody for a whole week. Chris. That tells you a lot because if you think those players aren't aware of it. If you think their ears aren't wide open and they're like, oh, my God, it doesn't take much for a young man to lose faith in his leadership. And the moment those guys decide this dude doesn't have it all figured out, your your period of effectiveness is gone. When he showed up, those kids that were there at Michigan would have followed him to the ends of the earth. They're like, oh, our Messiah has arrived. Three years later, what do they have to show for it? And at some point, you have to ask yourself – can he get it turned around up there? Because while they're sputtering against Notre Dame, which is a quality program, I don't want to diminish Notre Dame. I just don't think Notre Dame is a top five, top ten program in the country. They're flawed on both sides of the ball. Brian Kelly is a nice coach, been a nice coach for a very long time. He'll find a way to lose some games he should win, but he's never going to fail to, to push the envelope and try to find those mismatches and, and put a game plan together that'll take advantage of of the spots he can beat you in. That is Brian Kelly. It was Brian Kelly when he was at the University of Cincinnati. It's what he brought to Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's going to beat some teams they they ought not. And given all of this preparation through um, spring practice, the fact that Brian Kelly came out with a game plan that kind of rocked Michigan, you shouldn't be surprised by that. Now, if they play again in week six or seven, it all comes down to what kind of adjustments Michigan has made but if they don't get serious, Michigan could be in serious, serious trouble. And this wasn't a way that that you wanted to start the season. This is not a season ender by any stretch of the imagination. It's a non-conference game. They've got their whole season ahead of them. If they win out, they're a serious national, t- national title contender. Uh, but this certainly, if you had the option between winning and losing this game, you'd want a W in the, in the Wolverines' column. I mean, 
Harbaugh is one and six under Harbaugh against his biggest rivals. Yes, Ohio he is. Ohio State, Michigan State, Notre Dame. And the fact that he is is one of the key reasons Urban Meyer still has a job, and given everything that went down. That's I how important that game is in that part of the country. Not only is he in jeopardy of losing his job after this year, but he definitely probably lost, like you said. He'll he'll lose his team. They won't they won't believe in him. Well, I tell you that. that I mean, maybe instead of going to Italy next year or Africa on a safari, like he says, maybe they should just stay home. Harbaugh to me strikes me as a guy that sometimes likes to see his own name in the press a little bit too much, and it all seems a little contrived. And I get when he was captain comeback when he was with the with the Colts back in the day. Harbaugh had a nice career. What he's parlayed that into is interesting because he was never he was never more than a B or a C list quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he was the heir apparent to, to Jim McMahon in Chicago. Then he kind of I, I don't know he was all over the place in in the league, yeah. and then sort of came back with Indianapolis. But for a quarterback like that that had that level of success because he had playoff wins, you know, the rest of that. Normally, your your coaches at the college level that have NFL experience are guys that you barely remember played in the league. Yeah. You know, you're June Jones and, and folks like that. Harbaugh was a guy. Um, I, I think that the ego somewhere has gotten the better of him. That's the only way I can I can figure it out. I don't know. I think he should have maybe stayed in Stanford. You know, he could have had a nice, long career at Stanford. And, I, I mean, it would have been 10 years, 15 years now that he had been coaching there. Maybe they would have fired him, but I don't think so. Oh, I think it's Stanford. I mean, there was a level of success. I don't think the expectation, success. though. No, there's not. It's like Duke. It will be I mean, David Cutcliffe can be at Duke till he dies. Yeah. Stanford, what's important to them is what's important to them. And I think the reason he left Stanford, a big part of that, and I don't want to get into trash in USC, was that big bad bear over on the other side of the state um, with Pete Carroll and that machine that was built Capturing lightning in a bottle once in a while and beating USC is one thing, but you were always going to be second, third, or fourth fiddle in that region, and I don't think he necessarily wanted any part of that. And kind of felt like, I've shown that I can do this at the college level. Let me jump in. And I'm going to tell you, San Francisco was a great situation. It was a great team there for a couple years. We'll finish those thoughts and add a little bit more to the stew on the other side. Krista Lambert. Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit jimmyv.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. It's good to be hanging out with you. It really, really is. We're coming to you from Sanford, North Carolina. We do this every week, and uh, some weeks better than others. So we, we, we put a bow on Notre Dame-Michigan. Notre Dame with a good win. I mean, Notre Dame needed that. Their strength of schedule is not the same as, as some of these uh, legit Power 5 teams. I mean, they play it being in the ACC. But uh, big win for Notre Dame. And you know if Notre Dame's any good at all, 
and has a couple quality wins, you know, a lot of America is going to be clamoring for them to be into the playoffs. So yeah. to where it gets interesting. Oh, a lot of the uh, the money people at ESPN are going to be clamoring for Michigan to for be sure. in the playoffs. So you're talking about the fan base freaking out. Yep. Now, they're ACC football. I know you guys know I'm not the biggest fan of ACC football. Yes, sir. Miami, they were supposed to be basically the, the creme of the creme. And should I be afraid right now mm, if I'm you, a, a you hurricane fan? Well, if you're a hurricane fan, um, nothing good came out of that. If you're a Clemson fan, you can go ahead and relax. Well, because I think what you Clemson saw was, has big pressure, though, because Clemson has one of the pressure. easiest schedules, so they're going to have to blow out everybody. No, they're not. No, they're not. Clemson so. comes out of the ACC, given their pedigree that well, they've created in the, the last five or six years, they're yeah. in the playoff. Yeah. Um, so if they win the ACC, Clemson at this point, with all that talent, we saw it last year with Alabama. Alabama didn't earn their way into the playoff based on what they did in 2017. That was back for what they'd done the last five or six years. Yeah. So if Clemson finds their way into the ACC championship game and they win the thing, they're going to go into the playoff, period. That's just how it's going to go. What I would say, though, is that there was a there was newfound optimism in Miami. Miami hadn't been very good for, for a while, mm-hmm. not with any consistency. And coming off last year where they kind of – you know, they were number two in the country at one point, and then they came kind of plummeting back down. Pitt beat them, and, and it, the, the wheels kind of came off. Yeah, they started 10-0 and 0 and lost four yeah. in a row. But but returning Malik Rozier, he was supposed to be the guy. And I'm going to tell you, Rozier is one of those guys I think a lot of us had our eye on in week one because had he gotten out of the gate strong, all of a sudden you're talking about a legit Dark Horse Heisman, Dark Horse Heisman candidate. Mm-hmm. That maybe hadn't been on the A list for folks. No such luck. Mm-mm. Now I'll tell you about LSU. LSU is not going to be a team with Ed Orgeron there at the helm that is going to compete for a national championship. I am way acquainted with Ed Orgeron. Let me what? tell you who this guy is. Ed Orgeron is without a doubt one of the best recruiters in the country. Period. Okay. People don't understand how important Ed Orgeron was during the USC dynasty with Pete Carroll. Ed Orgeron can sit at a kid's kitchen table and he will bring them in. He did it at Ole Miss when he was the head coach down there. He did it at Tennessee down there with uh, with uh, Lane Kiffin. Ed Orgeron is a monster recruiter. From an X's and O's standpoint and execution, you can cancel Christmas. So LSU, when you take a brand as big as, as that, and what LSU has really been over the last 20, I guess 20 years, yeah. it's funny because we lose sight from a historical perspective. Prior to Nick Saban at LSU, LSU was a school sort of akin to UCLA, where they're, they might be good. You can put your finger on a couple of things. You know, with LSU, it was, oh, well, Burt Jones was quarterback down here, things like that where there's a moment in time or two where LSU was one of the better teams in the country, but not for an extended period. UCLA is a perfect example out on the West Coast. Um, Michigan State is a good example in the Midwest. Virginia Tech actually might be a good good ACC equivalent. I don't know. But anyway, I digress. Ed Orgeron (laughs) is not going to lose too many recruiting battles. You You can mark that down. LSU will stockpile talent. Whether or not he can 
put that together into a product that's going to be great week in and week out remains to be seen. Maybe he can do it for a year or two. Maybe he proves me completely wrong. But LSU, while Orgeron is there, is never going to have any lack of talent. Well, is that because of him? But, I mean, it sounds like if he can recruit it, he needs to surround himself with the coaches that can put it together. and I honestly don't know enough about the coordinators he has in place right now. I'd really have to peel that back. Mm -hmm. If he puts enough smart guys around him, yeah, maybe they could make a run. The problem that you have there is if you have hot recruiters and you make a run, you're going to lose those recruiters. But he is not going to drive the train on either side of the offense or on either side of the ball and be able to, to, you know, to be a genius. You should look at Nick Saban. Nick Saban is one of the greatest defensive minds there is. Um, You look at Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer can have whoever calling the plays offensive coordinator. It's him putting the scheme together. Most of those head coaches – they play chief executive, but their influence is all over one side of the ball or the other. Orgeron's not a guy like that. Never will be. But that doesn't mean that that LSU team can't be scary. And if they're scary enough for a few years and really let him stick around for a while, LSU could really beat up some people. That's just where I'm at with that. Now, that said, when you look at LSU, the problem they have always had through the Les Miles era where they couldn't move the ball against anybody. Through the Saban years, where they had some guys that were less than memorable. I mean, if you if you subtract Jamarcus Russell from LSU during the Saban and Miles era together, who's your best quarterback? Matt Flynn? You didn't have any game-changing quarterbacks. And even Jamarcus Russell, when he was there, was not an he wasn't a premium dominant college quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now you look at LSU right now, they've got Joe Burrow. Burrow's a nice ball player. Burrow transferred from Ohio State. Maybe he is part of the answer down there. That has been what LSU has, has been missing for a long time. There's never been any shortage of skill position players, whether it's running backs, wide receivers. You know, they've got the big linemen down there from the bayou, from the Mississippi Gulf Coast through Louisiana, even into Texas, into the Houston area. That's LSU country. So they can pull talent. Orgeron's the guy to go sit at those kitchen tables and make it happen. If his coordinators come through for him, LSU could be a real force. I, I like what LSU's got going. Back to the question about Miami, Rozier and that entire squad came out flat-footed and just really were outgunned the entire time. And I think for Rozier, playing in the ACC that is not with a team that is not Florida State or Clemson, it's really kind of hard to get any traction for national recognition. And I think Rozier may have, in one game, played him out of played himself out of any kind of Heisman hype that might have been coming his way. And it's a shame, but it happened. Um, likewise, Bryce Love out there with Stanford, who's the prohibitive favorite to win the Heisman, 29 yards in week one. Yeah. Interesting how these things shift. <laughs> now, that said, I've been hearing for the last couple of years, last year in particular, that JT Barrett might not have been the best quarterback on the Ohio State Buckeye roster. And there were people very close to the program that have been clamoring for Dwayne Haskins to get the nod Dwayne Haskins lived up to that hype and then some in his in his start this weekend against Oregon State. 77 points for the Buckeyes. That ought, they could have put up 100. That offense was absolutely unstoppable. Has to give you pause that they gave up 31 points to Oregon State, but this wasn't the Sisters of Mercy they were playing. Yeah. And when you win a game by 46 points, you win a game by 46 points. And I sat here last week and said I was scared of a 39-point spread. They covered. 
Dude, it finished at 40, and even that day I was like, man, they, you know, there's so much going on in Ohio State. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I don't know. They're either going to come out and blow these guys out by 50, or I'll take Oregon State and 40. That's the finishing line. But then I told somebody else, I mean, Vegas knows what they're doing. And yes, they sure do. as heck, what, they beat them by 43 points. Yeah, and I think what you saw in Ohio State was the team come points. play with a, a chip on their shoulder. I, I will caution people this. Nick Bosa may be the best defensive lineman in the country. And, yes, he got all of the highlights for falling on a fumble in the end zone this weekend. He had two sacks go along with it. He might have been the third best player on that defensive line Saturday. That Ohio State defensive front is ridiculous. And with the way they're able to push the ball down the field, they haven't been able to do that with any consistency, save for three games with Cardale Jones at the helm <laughs> back when they won a national championship. Yeah. During the JT Barrett era, Barrett did some amazing things. In fact, it, a couple of those seasons was a legit Heisman contender. What you saw from Barrett was an inability to consistently, accurately push the ball down the field. Haskins thrives. That's a whole new wrinkle to a team that returns Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbin at tailback. Look out. Ohio State is legit. And um, they came into the season at that five spot. They're a legit player for a national championship. They've got to make it happen on the field. But um, I was really, really impressed with what they did. The only team I think I was more impressed with than Ohio State was another team, kind of the same situation as they had with Barrett, because when you look at Jalen Hurts at quarterback at Alabama, maybe there's been a kid sitting on the bench that was better, and I'm going to tell you, Tua Tagovailoa, wow. Well, I'm glad you said his name. Wow. You know, Ryan Day at Ohio State with Dwayne Haskins, kudos to him for coming in there and, and not missing a beat with all of the, the hoopla surrounding Urban Meyer. But Alabama, I'm here to tell you right now, Clemson had caught Alabama as the best team in the country. Mm-hmm. And that sort of back and forth, you know, the best of three and the, you know, comes down to one of the most epic games you ever want to see last season. Clemson doesn't have that kind of dynamism at quarterback. I am really excited about what Alabama can do, and I hate to say that because I really hate the time. We'll finish that thought on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheat Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with REMAX Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. 
I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue and you can use like anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. I got money, I got fame, fast cars and everything. Welcome back from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Professor Trent Nichols. The two of us holding it down. Hold it down. Holding it down. And during the break, we were talking about trying to draw some corollaries. You know, there's there's a little bit of panic going on in Michigan um, in Harbaugh's year four. Florida State, in a premium showcase, the only game on television, went to Virginia Tech and got thumped. Um, excuse me, at home got that home. Virginia Tech. I'm sorry. Um, and, and there's a little bit of panic setting in, I think, and I think it's unwarranted. Um, and I'll tell you why for a couple of reasons. First of all, I do have to say that I have been critical of Jimbo Fisher for years. I felt like, and still feel like, no. that he's been anointed an offensive genius when really he just had the best horses and didn't mess it up. Now, there's something to be said for that, but I've never thought he was a play-calling genius. I will say that there were times during that Florida State game where I thought, man, what they wouldn't do to have him back for a minute call plays because that offense really kind of bogged itself down. But here's the thing. The Virginia Tech defense made plays when it had to, and the third-quarter performance by the Virginia Tech defense – is unlike anything you're going to see in a big-time matchup very often. However, Florida State, for the balance of the game, did manage to move the football pretty well. Mm-hmm. They just kept turning it over. And they had they gave up a block punt for a touchdown. Um, I wouldn't panic if I was Florida State. DeAndre Francois made his first start in a year. Francois can play football. We've seen that. Yeah. To come in against a Virginia Tech team that plays defense as downhill as anybody in the country is hard. They're coming at you. They're going to match up man-to-man and just challenge you to make plays. Compound that with the fact that it was a slow track and it was wet. Cam Akers is probably, in a vacuum, the best player on either two of those teams. Just could never really get going. He had the big 80-plus yard run at the end um, what do you go? 86 yards. Up to that point, had really been stifled. But yeah, it was, 14 carries, only 82 yards for yeah, the game. Yeah, 
Oh, and, and like I said, they were coming. They were shooting gaps. Virginia Tech, Florida State, it gets easier, Florida State fans. Don't don't panic. Well, yeah, I mean, their schedule, the last two years with their first game of the year didn't do them any favors. No, you know? no certainly not. If you're going to schedule big games like that, you need to win it. Yeah. Um, last year, though, I think that losing to Alabama, if you take away the DeAndre Francois injury – wouldn't have stung as much because mm-hmm. you're talking about the best team in the country. Yep. So if you beat them, you're sort of playing with house money. If you lose, ah, whatever. We'll just win out, you know, win a, you know, lose one more game the rest of the way and we'll be a serious challenger for a conference championship and all the rest of that stuff. In this instance, Virginia Tech is not of that stature, but given that it's year one of the Willie Taggart regime, that DeAndre Francois was back playing his first game in a year, I would temper – my depression, I think, if I'm a Florida State fan. Don't panic yet. The other part of that is, is looking at the ACC this week, Miami looked horrible. Yep. NC State looked bad. And North Carolina looked worse than any of them. <laughs> I really, really, really was torn as I watched NC State play James Madison. James Madison was on the cusp of, of being that team. App State was doing it at almost the same time to Penn State, but James Madison gave NC State everything they could handle. And I have to tell you that NC State fans, I, I think the the period of being enamored with Dave Doran is over. His job is on the line. This is a season with a senior quarterback, Ryan Finley, that they've got to do something positive. They've got to challenge for a division championship and have an opportunity to play in the conference championship. You don't get to have a fifth-year senior quarterback very often of the stature Ryan Finley. But I'm going to tell you, the Ryan Finley I saw this weekend, it wasn't a pretty picture. Yeah, and we talked like he was a sleeper for that Heisman. I really thought he was. And like Malik Rozier, I think maybe his, his prospects took a hit. But I'm really concerned about the talent drain around him. Yeah, but the state fans are going to be like, listen, 309 yards, two touchdowns. Come on, Finley. A big, gigantic chunk of that came late in the game on a blown coverage that saved the game for NC State. I don't think anybody watching that game could walk away and say, hey, I was impressed with the kid. The upside is is that he hit the magical 300-yard mark. Yeah. So people that didn't see the game and weren't paying close like, attention. Oh, wow. Okay. He did oh, all right. Finley did his thing. 29 completions, 309 so, yards. Rozier being out there in a premium matchup with the world watching, that's one thing. Finley doesn't take the same type of hit. But I would be concerned if I was an NC State fan. And to be honest, I am a bit. But with Naheem Hines and Samuel gone now, they're – didn't seem to be anywhere to go with the ball when I need a big play. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Bradley Chubb being subtracted from that defense, it's got to find its way. And just to qualify this whole thing, I honestly believe, and it felt for a, for a couple of years, Mike Houston out at James Madison is a heck of a football coach. And James Madison, if they decide to play Division One ball, they could go 500. This is not a team that's going to step up and and you know challenge in the ACC. 
But you put them out in the Sun Belt Conference or something like that, they can they can play some football. James Madison is one of those schools. App State is another one. And App State gave Penn State everything they could handle. Um, and in the same sort of situation as Finley, you had McSorley out there at Penn State, who's a sort of sleeper pick, made one of the biggest, baddest ice water in your veins throws you ever want to see, as ugly as it might have been, to salvage that ball game and force overtime. Uh, Penn State managed to get it done. And if you're if you're rooting for a team that has to play Penn State or is competing with Penn State for a conference championship, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, all the rest of y'all, you almost got a, a bad L there. Hmm. You almost got one. James Franklin has got that Penn State program doing things. And I think this, you know, a chance for them to, to get those kids' attention and get the ship right. Penn State's going to be okay. App State, for those of you that don't know, is just a good football program. And they have been. I mean, they, they, they beat Michigan a couple years That's ago. Right. Big upset. They have, I mean, multiple big upsets. They're a team that people don't want to schedule early in the year because they're that team. And that I don't will know why you. people do. I, I don't know, know why what either. The value in that is, you know, go, do, go the route of Clemson. Who they play? Furman this weekend. Furman. Schedule Furman. You know, of course, Alabama got you know Georgia State. That's that's one of the most epic things ever. But you got to be really careful with scheduling because if you're going to play a non-FBS team, get you a real patty cake. Penn State, this is it right now. This is Pitt's Super Bowl next week. Penn State versus Pitt. Let's see how you come out. Oh, it's Pitt's Super Bowl for sure, yep. and they're going to play like it. So, so losing. Or winning a game that was as closely contested as the Zap State thing may have been the best thing that could happen for Penn State because now they can focus and, okay, whoa, we've got to execute better or we'll get beaten in a game that means more to the Pitt players than probably anything else they're going to play is it. this year. This is Pitt's biggest game yeah. every year. So it's pretty wild. You know, Penn State fans, you want to come back your number 10 in the nation right now? You got to put a stomping on Pitt and ease some of your brains. Well, it starts. But I mean, I wouldn't. I don't discredit them for coming this close to App State. I mean, it's just a mistake. No, it's well, it's a week one thing. Yeah. And you know what? It's easy to to come out and figure out the things that you were doing in the spring aren't going to happen as effectively. You've still got. I mean, these are young kids we're talking about. It takes them a while to get into a groove. So if you're going to see an upset like that. Week one is the time for it to happen, which begs the question, why are you scheduling a team like James Madison or App State? You're tied 10-10 I mean, at halftime. Well, well, here's the thing, Trent, is it doesn't matter who NC State or Penn State or Ohio State or any of these major, mid-major, or even quasi-major teams play week one. It doesn't no. matter. The fan base is going to turn out. It's time <clears throat> to tailgate. It's time to turn football back on. Why put yourself in jeopardy? You know, these, these games matter to the Northern Illinois when they want to become relevant. These games matter to the App States. These games matter to the James Madisons. Well, if you look at even the even the biggest App State fan, probably can't tell you what they did the rest of the season after they beat, <laughs> beat Michigan, Michigan at the Big House. <laughs> yeah, you know that's the biggest win in school history. And you're talking about a team that's won conference championships, probably maybe won national championship at the FCS level. I'm sure they have at some point. But the one thing that alumni base hangs their hat on is the big house. You, trust me, I'm here in North Carolina. You can buy memorabilia 
pictures of 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 that game everywhere. Yep. And nobody talks about anything else. James Madison did it a couple years ago. I forget who they beat. Same when Northern Illinois went down to Alabama and beat Alabama. Yeah. You can still buy all the pictures, the final score, scoreboard, everything. Well, Southern Miss beat Alabama years ago when they were completely irrelevant, and that still is the game that they talk about in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So I don't understand the value in in flirting with danger that way. Play, play Furman. See, here's one thing that – here's one of the games that also shocked me. Who's and that? I thought this was – this is a college football program that probably may not even be around next year. And that's Maryland beating Dude. Texas. Dude. What is that? Hey. I mean, it was 34-29, but honestly, what I watched, it wasn't that close. Well, the crazy part about it is, is that when you looked at those teams, if you took the uniforms off of them, you would have thought that yeah. Maryland was Texas. They were bigger, faster, stronger, played played with more skill. I don't understand what's going on in Texas. I really, really don't understand. And Tom Herman. So to be horrible, maybe what Maryland's doing to prepare is the oh, right way. <laughs> Probably not. I don't think I want to endorse yeah, that. I'm not going to jump I'm on with that. that was I mean, obviously, Maryland comes in there with a lot of emotion. Those kids, you know, rally around d- despite what anybody thinks about the head coaching situation and the suspension that's going on. A teammate died. That's an easy yeah. thing to rally around. And I'm not making light of it by any stretch, but it's for real. Mm-hmm. That kind of mortality will bring a group of folks together. But they just did this last year without that having happened. Maryland, the score doesn't belie what happened out there. Maryland made a play every time they had to make a play. And I'm just baffled by what's going on in Texas. Mac Brown, maybe. I will get in trouble with a lot of folks that I know very well. I, I went to high school in Austin, comes. Texas. I am from comes. Longhorn Nation. I have been at Memorial Stadium a million times, been down there in the shadow of the stadium on 6th Street doing that thing for years at a time, all the rest of that. But here's what I will say to you. We started early on talking about LSU and that LSU was good for a period of time. But LSU, from a historical standpoint, is not a premium program in the country. UCLA, not a premium. Not in football. No. Nope. Look at Michigan State up there in the Big Ten. That's the type example. Illinois is a team that you know would have years where they were good for a few years. Texas, up until Mac Brown got there, was not a team that had a great deal of sustained success. In fact, for a lot of the time there, when it was the Southwest Conference and it was all of the Texas schools plus um, – Arkansas, is there anybody else I'm forgetting? It was just Arkansas. Yeah, the Texas schools plus Arkansas, they were dominant in the Southwest Conference, but they didn't even really dominate the Southwest Conference. Texas A&M was just as good as they were all of that time. So it was, you know, sort of them beating each other up. But then when it came nationally, they weren't in the same conversation as Oklahoma and Nebraska. We'll finish that thought on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. 
If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, and I was getting ready to go on a tirade about the University of Texas, so I think it's only fitting that I, I finish that up. Yes. But before I do, I want to tell you that we will be at Libations at 6 o'clock every Wednesday, but this coming Wednesday in particular. Uh, in fact, most of you probably listen to the show on Wednesday. We'll be there 6 o'clock to 8. We do trivia there every week. Come on out. Have a good time. Cool prizes. Get to hang out. Have a few adult beverages. It's a good time. Uh, this week's category, the teased category, got to be college football. Do I should I get any more specific than that? You know what we've Maybe. been talking about? We've been talking about famous upsets. Let's do college football upsets. College football upsets. You've probably heard me talk about a couple of them already. That'd be that'd be a good one. Um, we'll do that, and there'll be five or six other categories. Come on out and hang out. We'll have a lot of fun. Now, what I was saying about University of Texas before we went to break is that. I'm afraid for UT fans that they fell into a false sense of security with the Mac Brown era at the University of Texas and just thought Mac's going to roll on. We can just sort of plug anybody in and we will remain one of the best couple of teams in college football. What they forget is that for as good as that UT team was, under Mac Brown for so long, you know, a team that that got a national championship in 05, there's only ever been one period of real greatness at UT. And that was from 63 to 70 where they won three national championships. Who was the head coach then? Daryl Royal. Daryl Royal is an icon in the state of Texas. Mac Brown will never be respected at that level. It's sort of like LeBron chasing Jordan. LeBron's never going to get six rings, so he can't be Jordan in some people's eyes. It's the same way with Mac Brown. Well, Darrell Royal got three national championships. I think that Mac Brown and the job that he did in his 15, 16 years at University of Texas was masterful. Absolutely masterful. And folks that were, you know, fans on the Jim McAvick era and and the guys that came before him and sort of stumbled, that Texas job comes with as much politics as any head coaching (laughs) job in the country. And the reason for it is, it's funny because I've lived all over the country and everywhere that I go, people have a false sense of hype about high school football in their state. And they kind of qualify. Well, it's not quite like what it is in Texas, but. No, it's nothing like it is in Texas. Football is 
job one for these kids in high school. That's the only way to put it. Small towns in Texas still basically shut down on Friday nights. That's how it is. Mm -hmm. Kids play football year-round. Football is king. There's no second fiddle to it. It's a status. It's not even how much money you make. It's yeah. nothing. It's how good your kid is yeah. at that sport. And if you want to be if you want to be the most important person in a particular town, it's not the mayor. It's not, you know, some higher powered attorney. It's the high school football coach yep. if things are going well. It's a different world. Navigating where you have all these little fiefdoms with these high school football coaches that are the most powerful person in their community. Trying to navigate and keep those coaches happy so that they will keep those kids pipelined into UT and you don't lose them to A&M or to Oklahoma or to the out-of-state schools, it's an amazingly complicated dance. Mac Brown did an awesome job of it, an awesome job for 16 years, but he's always going to be seen as a second-class citizen because he only won the one national championship. If you go back and look at it objectively for the 30 years before Mac Brown got there, Texas wasn't really a big deal in college football. I know that hurts a lot of people to say it, and I'll temper it. I'll say 25 years before he got there, not 30. But they just weren't. If you look at that part of the country, in the southwest part of the country, Oklahoma was king. Mm -hmm. Nebraska, miles above where Texas was at. Now, the thing about Nebraska is that Nebraska, with Tom Osborne, went through the same thing. You subtract Tom Osborne from the equation, you know, it's a long time that he was there. Nebraska's never been relevant outside of that. And as much as it is with Nebraska and Oklahoma during those periods with Switzer and 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 Tom Osborne, that has as much to do with admissions than it does anything else. That's a whole debate for another day. But Tom Osborne, when the NCAA tightened up their restrictions on who could come to school and who could not, knew it was doom for his program, and it was. It's never been the same. They just don't have the population to draw from that other schools do. So there, there we are with that. But Texas getting beat by Maryland, Tom Herman, the temperature is up to 10 right now, I promise <laughs> you, on that hot seat. And I don't know where they're coming from, but there are whispers about Herman and his escapades away from the program that are already starting to percolate to the surface. There's rumors. Hmm. And we'll talk about them in the in the next hour. Not necessarily fit for this one. But Tom Herman's a guy that was at Ohio State. Left out of Ohio State with, with not under the best of terms. It was pretty obvious when he left that Urban Meyer and he didn't really hit it off. Tom Herman went to the University of Houston and went on a great run with them mm -hmm. and really started to build that program back and was quick to tell anybody to listen, this is my last job. I'm never going anywhere. I'll be here for another 15 years. Blah, 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 blah. And then Texas comes calling these out. Bounce. Just like that. So karma may be part of it, but Tom Herman better get that ship righted because the 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 lynch mob will be out in Texas in short order. <laughs> um, they just don't play. They have a false sense of who they are. And with all of the alumni base, you're talking about one of the biggest alumni, one of the richest alumni bases in the country in total, they have high expectations, rational or not. And they will not stand for this very long. He will be bounced, and they won't care what the buyout is. They will replace him, and Tom Herman will be someplace else. Just saying. What you got? That's it. I mean. All right. While we're in this first hour, I do want to ask you the question and see if you have a for real answer for me. Uh-oh. What is going on in Oakland? 
We have pivoted to the NFL, and I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around the deals that are being made out there in Oakland. I, I don't know. I don't get it, Trent. You've got to have feelings. You follow them closely because it's one of your, you know, your squad's rivals. Yeah. Uh, I I'm perplexed. I, I I don't understand. I think uh, John Gruden's been out of coaching for what nine years, ten years now. Yes. I mean, he was kind of he was a good coach. I don't think. I don't think he was as good as he believed he was. I don't think he was near as good as he believes himself to have been. <clears throat> if you look back at the Raiders team that he had that was on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl, and then the veteran squad that was sort of in place that Tony Dungy had built waiting for him there in Tampa Bay, sort of the Jimbo Fisher thing. You got the best horses, don't screw it up. Yeah, and, and that's what I think. I think he won a, a Super Bowl with – Tony Dungy's guy, and then he never really did anything else. It's it's interesting. I would love to know who's really running the personnel department in Oakland right now. Well, my my theory on this whole thing is Oakland does not want to spend a lot of money right now. They're saving everything they can for Vegas. So they're bringing in a larger-than-life coach. That can be kind of the focal point, uh, focal point of that you, organization. You do realize they paid him a hundred million dollars. Yes, so they are going to try to be like the uh, the Patriots, and oh, we're not going to pay him that much. That money's outrageous. They locked up their quarterback. They have a coach. They're going to bank on that and see what happens. But you know, it's, I think it's, it's a so, huge mus- mistake. It's so interesting with regard to this Khalil Mack. Because in the NFL, over the last 15 or 20 years, we really haven't ever heard of an organization being cash-strapped in terms of being able to pay a player. It happens. I promise you it happens. Mm -hmm. Hell, it happened in Cincinnati for 10, 12 years. There's a lot to why that was going on in Cincinnati with the, the ownership buying out their partners and the rest of that. They just didn't have the money. But I have I can't remember a situation in the last ten or fifteen years. I honestly think that's what it is. I don't think it's a, a desire we have to save money. I don't think Mark Davis looked at it in black and white and was like, uh, "I can shell out enough guaranteed money." Well, do you think they're the Seattle Seahawks? I mean, what do you they're mean? kind of in the same position Seattle's done. No, Seattle's got a, Seattle's an owner with infinite yeah, but look resources. At, they've kind of yeah, but they've dumped all their high priced. Defensive guys I, I and kind of rebuilt. I don't know that they've they've gotten rid of them. them, and they had to lock up Russell Wilson. The same thing. They had to lock up David Carr. So now they're kind of at that point where Denver. If you look at Denver, Denver has Vaughn Miller. Yes. Okay. In three or four years, when it comes to getting Chubb and Vaughn Miller, they're going to be in trouble as well. They will, and we'll see how they're and able they don't to work have that a out. quarterback. At all. So if you look at these teams, the Rams have a very short window yes, to win. Yes, they do. And they have a lot of money invested in well, all these guys. And, and that's how they were discounts. able to – people are looking at it and they're like, oh, my God, they paid Gurley what? Oh, my God, so they played Aaron Donald two. that. Well, what they happens can do when that. golf comes up? Yeah, they can do that until golf comes off that rookie deal in, in a couple of years. So maybe this Mac thing is not that big of a deal. I, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it's a huge deal, and it's a great – I applaud – 
the Bears. I applauded I applauded the Bears the most when they went out and got Jay Cutler. Obviously, that was a mistake. All right. Well, I'm going to give you uh, my perspective on the Oakland situation when we get back. Thanks for hanging out with us. Follow, on over, follow us on over the internet. We'll see you there. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with Remax Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome to the second hour from the Cheap Seats. Brandon Atkins is in the house. That's that's exciting stuff. Yes, yes. You just got to. You got here for the good part. Yes, this is when they're really gearing up. Yeah. What'd y'all talk about in the first hour? College football. Oh, okay. College football, and you walked in just in time to hear me ask what's going out there on out there in Oakland. Um, the the most baffling part of these series of moves that Oakland's made, and let, let's recap. First of all, they trade away Khalil Mack. I'm okay with that if. You've made a real effort to try to get the guy re-signed, and that doesn't appear to ever have happened. It's unbelievable to me. John Gruden never met with this guy. Never had a conversation with him. How is that possible? Well, maybe, first of all, my favorite John Gruden quote is, anything goes on any given Sunday, especially Monday night. That's one of his famous quotes. <laughs> Throw it through the turkey hole. But what I will say <laughs> there's, is... Uh, there's a non sequitur. I don't, no, but I, did he expect Khalil My, uh, Mack to come to him? Like, no, I, mean, I think with the... I think, in fact, I'm certain that what happened is when Gruden took this gig, they told him, we're not going to re-sign Mack. And rather than, you know, waste his time fostering a relationship with a guy that he knew he wasn't going to be wasn't going to be there. I think he just didn't want to deal with an awkward situation. But I don't get why they were predisposed to let him go. Now, I'll say this to qualify this for Oakland fans. Who led the league in sacks last year? Khalil Mack, didn't no. he? DeMarcus Lawrence. Oh yeah. How far did Cowboys go in the playoffs? Khalil Mack? No, the Cowboys. 
Demarcus Lawrence. <laughs> Cowboys never go far. But in what, what I'm saying is, did the is Cowboys that, make the playoffs? I don't think. Here, they did. Here's here's what I'm they getting lost at: in the is that in this day and age, where teams drop back and throw the ball 50 and 55 times a week, a sack or two a game isn't the difference in a ball game. Now, there is a lot to be said for the fact that you may have to, you know, chip and dedicate two people to to block one, but edge pass rushers except in extreme circumstances where they're surrounded by amazing talent all over the place. Edge pass rushers are not the same difference makers they were 20 years ago. They're just not. You want to see effective pass rush in this day and age of quick drops, three-step, five-step drops, balls out, it has to come right up the middle. That's why Aaron Donald is worth every nickel he just signed for. It's why Geno Atkins is worth every nickel he just signed for. No matter how good you are as an edge rusher, it's going to take you a second to get back there. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about playing teams that are getting the ball out fast, you can mitigate that pretty quickly. So I think that Gruden may have actually been part of the the – the mindset that, yeah, it'd be a nice luxury to have, but at the expense of $140 million or whatever, eh, I we, just, can, we can use that other places. I also think star defensive players with, you know, minus a few, struggle under new regimes or switching teams. Like Without a doubt. They struggle more right. than any almost any other position. I mean – a quarterback, if he's good, you can see his numbers go up and down depending on the, the regime. But there's still, you can kind of say, man, you know, I'll, I'll just use Matty Ice as an example. He's still good, right? A defensive player's their their whole game plan changes. He can disappear. Well, he I can be out that, of the game plan. We had this conversation. Well, look uh, at the look at the whole defense of the Broncos last year under Vance Johnson. Once Wade Phillips left, yeah. It was the same exact guys. They lost two players, and they were horrible. Scheme last is year. huge. All of them. Scheme is huge. You know what Brandon looks like to me right now? Um, a newborn baby. No, dude, he looks like Jason Garrett if he was the Oakland Raiders head coach. Yeah, yeah, he kind of does. You do, it's Jerry. Freaky. Where are you, Jerry. Jerry? They're talking about me. So <laughs> help me out. So here's the here's no the more thing. Beard we, we talked about team about players changing teams and falling off relative to Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens, wide receivers, if you look across the history of free agency in the NFL, there probably isn't another position where there's been as many swings and misses with guys changing teams. You're talking about a new offense, new quarterback, new timing, new everything, and wide receivers are 100% reliant on everybody else around them because they can't get the ball to themselves. Defensive players, by the same token – have a high swing and miss rate in a new system, we don't know what Khalil Mack's going to look like. I would want to sign a defensive player of that caliber to their second contract, right? How well, that's we- what Chicago did now. Okay, so that's his second contract. Yeah, I mean, his he's, second he's big off one. the rookie deal. And, no, that's and that's the, forget about the rookie deal. I'm talking about the big contract. Oh, no. No, 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 no. By the time you get to the second free agent contract, those guys are, for the most part, are on the downside of their career. I – me personally, high dollar defensive players. Now, there's some guys that can do it all. Nobody's going to argue with Chicago about. No, 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 no. They're not. But I would oh, they like won to, this. They won this uh, trade. Be careful. Big time. Be careful. I think so. I think the only way they win it 
is because it takes some pressure off of their offensive side for a, a year and let uh, you know let Mitchell. I just think the return was okay. Here's but, the thing, though. You, you get my point, though, Chris. Yeah, I, I you do, don't want to be the first one to give them. Albert Haynesworth money, which you well, brought up the other day. But here's the other thing, though, with Chicago is it's easy to say, "Oh my God, they were bold. Look at what they won." But if that, if those two number ones they gave up are top ten picks, eesh, it would be one thing if they gave up two number ones for a guy that was under a manageable contract. You're talking about a record-breaking deal. This is an enormous. This is quarterback money, okay? And this deal is going to outlive Mitch Trubisky's. Rookie deal. So if Mitch becomes huge, they got to figure out a way to pay him with this contract hanging around their neck. Now they've got a significant window, so they they can probably get around it. But to give up two number ones and pay that kind of coin and handcuff the organization, he's got to produce. This has got to be. This can't just even be a double digit sack guy. This has to be a transformational player who's putting up fifteen sacks and got a couple strip sack fumble touchdowns. For you, for this, for them to get value out of this, this is a dangerous thing. And heaven forbid, with all the guaranteed money that Matt gets hurt, this could be disastrous for the Bears. But you don't get that many chances at a player of this magnitude. Khalil Mack is without a doubt one of the best five defensive players in football right now. So good for for Chicago. But before you anoint them the winners in this deal, let's see how it plays out, dude. I I saw. How John Gruden drafted his first draft. The Bears won this. <laughs> it was horrible. Well, his that's first something. Draft was horrible. That's something. Frankly, that Gruden was never good at. Ugh. And he's going to have to get it turned around because you want to talk about from a talent evaluation standpoint. Let's look at the other deals that have been made. They traded a third round pick for Martavis Bryant. Where's Martavis Bryant now? He just got cut. Got cut. Cut. You gave up a three. That's a valuable commodity. And you run him out of town. That speaks to talent evaluation. You thought you knew what you were getting. You get him in there and he's not good enough to make your squad after you put that kind of capital into him. That hurts. You can't give up those second-day picks in the NFL. That's too valuable. The thing that really kills me is that they traded for A.J. McCarron. In the same weekend that Paxton Lynch, Davis Webb, Christian Hackenberg, legitimate backup quarterbacks are available, they go send a pick for A.J. McCarron. Seriously? Poor A.J. McCarron, dude. To compound it, I promise you, A.J. McCarron did not want to go to Oakland. Heck no. A.J. McCarron, had he wanted to be a clipboard holder, never would have left Cincinnati. He left Cincinnati because he knew, I'm never going to get past Dalton. I am in the prime of my my career. I have to go somewhere and start. Now he's stuck. If he was stuck and behind who's Buffalo's uh, starting quarterback bro, this week, Nathan Peterman. Oh my god! Right? What? McCarron is he the? He's jinxed. This Absolutely, dude. When you look at you last could have been season, in Cleveland. Yes. as the starter, they wouldn't have even had to draft. That's right, Mayfield. That's right. You went to Buffalo. They drafted Allen. went to Buffalo because he was the last man standing. As the carousel of quarterbacks started to spin, it started with Alex Smith being traded for in Washington, and then one came off the board, one after the other after the other, and A.J. McCarron was the man without a country. He well, signed in Buffalo, which looked like, okay, Tyrod Taylor's going to, to Cleveland. I've got my chance, 
and then they go burn a first-round pick on Josh Allen. Well, if you're Gruden, what looks better for the next four years? Like, so, yeah, he got rid of Mac, but let's say Mac gets that money and just goes, I'm not really working could, out this year. Could happen. Now he gets all these picks, and it's just like Bill Parcells said, like even though Bill Parcells didn't execute, you know, if you're going to be the one making the meal, let me get the groceries. Like, let me get the ingredients. And I fully under look, if you're going to pay Gruden that much money, you got to pay him to like make up you know, a four or five year decision, not just pay, you know, the obvious best defensive player, or one of the best top three defensive players in the league, that kind of money that will set you back if he break, you know, messes his hip up or something. Now you got picks and you got money to do things with uh, in the future. But there's no, there's not, and, even and he an doesn't assurance. have to win right now. You know, it's Ooh. not like the Raiders, mm. bro. Like until like they need to be ready year, to win next year. Yeah. They're moving to Vegas. Maybe next year, but I mean, I actually I think Vegas. Well, they might have you, more time not to win. I think you got more time not to win if you move I, to Vegas. I don't know, man. The it's Vegas, not like the Golden Knights set some bar out there in what? Vegas. The, the <laughs> Vegas. Well, see, that's the thing is yeah. the Vegas experience worked out perfectly for the Golden Knights. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Whoop. You subtract that. Here's the thing. You're talking about a supremely transient community in Las Vegas. Unlike any other state in the union, and we see it in Raleigh all the time. You go to a Canes game and people are there, you got Islander fans and Ranger fans and Blackhawk fans. Everybody else turning out other deep. Team, unfortunately. And and sometimes yeah. it's 60-40 for the opponents. Vegas, that's the best they can hope for. There are not any life well, there there are pockets of them, but it's not like they have people out there in Vegas who have a 50-year history of being Raider fans. If it's well, not a winning product, uh, they will struggle. They probably have a lot of Raider fans out there. It's not that far. Yeah. From either Los Angeles or Oakland. But it's well, a lot closer to Los Angeles well, than it and, is Oakland. Uh, and That's Oakland true. is like a global brand still for no reason at all. You yeah, see no, people, for no reason at all. I know. You right? see people it's wearing for, Oakland. It's from NWA, dude. I still Ice people Cube. Yeah. I see still people uh wearing <laughs> LA King stuff. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, they haven't been nothing for <laughs> I, Forever. I so we'll we'll see how this works out. But I agree with Trent. I think they need to be ready to rock and roll. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Next year, and they will know. be a they will be a um, a novelty in that first year. But man, the wheels could come off quick. They They're not going to put up really, with it really because quick. the Golden Knights screwed them. And then by the end of the year, it was like eighty twenty. It was all Golden Knights fans. Yeah. Like they are. The king of Vegas right now. Dude, Oakland, the, the other thing too is Oakland they're, they're had counting it easy. on the, You had an NHL team, an expansion team coming two years before you. They should have been horrible. It should, should have been a nightmare. But and you Oakland said, Raiders were like, "Yes, we're going to do it." Chris, you said Gruden got a hundred million dollar contract, yeah, ten years, year, ten, $10 million, million a, year. a year, dude. They're giving them five years. By the way, that reminds me. Mm. The only time I've thought about stealing in the last, I don't know. 40 years was that John Gruden Corona thing that was in the grocery ah, store. Yes. <laughs> that miniature. All right. You're listening from the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. 
Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Alright, welcome back. We're rounding the corner. We can see the home stretch from here. We haven't quite made it that far. I wanted to say before we went any farther than that, that there is no clear indication that it's John Gruden calling the shots by himself personnel-wise. Reggie McKenzie is running that front office. The question I have is how long they're going to be able to coexist. And in that Khalil Mack deal, Gruden was Gruden threw him under the bus a little bit. Did you see well, it, Trent? Yeah, but uh, McKenzie came back and kind of tried to throw Gruden under the bus too. Hmm. Oh, well, tell us about it, guys. Don't well, do, don't do the deal cliffhangers on us. The deal, if I'm and I'm doing this from memory, uh, Oakland gets two ones and a five. They gave up Mac and a two. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. And Gruden during the press conference said that he wasn't in the room when them oh, sending a second round two. pick. Yeah, yeah. He said he wasn't in the room when that part of the conversation happened. Saying that's Reggie McKenzie. I didn't know anything about that. Well, he didn't throw Khalil Mack under the bus. No, no, no he, didn't he, throw threw Mack, the he threw Reggie GM. McKenzie under the bus. Yeah. And Reggie McKenzie is still the general manager, the president of operations, if I'm not mistaken. But what was McKenzie's retort? Well, McKenzie in the whole the whole room, he was like, "Yeah, it hurt. It's going to be a big hit, but you know, we really we got the deal. That was the best deal for it." Hmm. Hey, they had suitors lined up from here to there, and you know what? This all comes down to whether these picks hit. If you remember back, remember when Eric Dickerson got traded from from the Rams to mm-hmm. the to the uh, Colts? Yeah. How many of those picks that the Rams got ever amounted to anything? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not sure. None. Flipper Anderson was the best player, and they got like five ones and twos out of that deal. And well, look at the Washington one. Who did they trade all those three picks to get a RG3? I'd have to look and see. Yeah, me too. Wasn't it? Um, <laughs> speaking of track records, wasn't the Bears that gave up the most number one picks or highest picks for a player going out of the program? Jay Cutler. <laughs> so don't just give you know the, the Bears a bunch of kudos just yet because their track record doesn't look that good. Hey, I thought that the Bears won. I was devastated when Jay Cutler left the Broncos, and then. I got over it pretty quick. Well, the thing with Cutler. Without Cutler, I would never had Peyton Manning. You never would have had Tim Tebow. Yeah, I don't know. Tim Tebow. <laughs> it's funny how things work, but the Martavis Bryant deal is baffling. Um, I, there's no way that he was not talented enough to make that roster when you look at the weapons they have out there. So they obviously did that and found something out about his personality or work ethic after the fact. You think a little bit of research on the front side would have been good for him. The A.J. McCarron thing is bizarre. And I get that Gruden says, well, I want to have a backup quarterback, a veteran backup. Dude, there are a whole lot of cheaper veteran backups than A.J. McCarron on that fresh deal he just signed with Buffalo. That's silly. Dude, that RG3 was with the Rams. The Rams won big time because that's now look at their team. The Rams did, but in the context of the picks they had there, the Rams received eight picks. Yeah. 
I'd like to peel that apart and get to the bottom of it. But anyway, here's the the craziest thing about this week. You realize we're only three weeks from camps opening for the NBA? Mm -mm. You realize that by the end of this week, camps open in the NHL? I know. Six weeks from now, we'll be playing NBA basketball. And in the midst of all this. we're dropping the puck in 28 days. That's crazy. Crazy. I'm going to my first Canes game, uh, Canes versus Nashville on the 30th. Nice. It's a free preseason game. It's crazy. And in the (laughs) midst of all of this, we've now talked NFL, we've talked NBA, we've talked NHL, we've talked NCAA football. You have an absolute barn burner going on in Major League Baseball for the wild card. In what? Yeah, I know, right? It's unbelievable. And Brandon's like, you guys were here for your, by yourselves for an hour. Come Didn't man. say boo about baseball. And now I come in. And on. I don't really want to talk about it. I just think that that speaks to where baseball is at. I do have to say one thing about the Carolina Hurricanes, and I think all NHL teams do this. But when I got my tickets for this season, mm-hmm. they sent me an email, and it said, opt in for e-tickets. Well, I was like, I'm not. I like paper tickets, man. I'm old school. I like to hand them out like candy. I'm like, here, here you go. I like to give them to ticket, ticket for you. I like to give them to uh, clients and stuff like that. You, I got my tickets, and there was a bunch of parking passes, and then they were like, here's some instructions for your e-tickets. What you had to do was opt. You had to read the body of the email and opt out of Mm. e-tickets. And to me, that's. What do y'all think about that, guys? That's, I mean, why I'm, that's why I'm in law school, man. I'm, so I can be here for you in situations like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. That, like, I just, there's nothing about the touch and the feel I, of a, a I hear real 100%. ticket. So wait, and, and they it does did not about send how, you the paper tickets? They sent me the a nice-looking box. Didn't send me a puck like they did last year. <laughs> Ronnie Franchise was doing it right back then. But um, that was the 20-year anniversary. But they sent me, the parking passes are just like last year. But they didn't send me the paper tickets. They sent me, like, you know, my season ticket member cards that I get and uh, no tickets. Hmm. Well, I was going to say that that sucks when it comes to giving them to clients, but it probably actually makes it easier. Because now if you've got a client that's in Raleigh or in Charlotte or wherever the case might be and you want to give them tickets, you don't necessarily have to coordinate putting Two them seconds of late, yeah. Yeah. I'll give you my information for my Keynes account. You can just transfer them all over if you need. <laughs> That's good looking out, Trent. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks. Help you thanks, out. Thanks, friend. <laughs> friends. How many of us have them? Yeah. Friends. The ones friends we you can, can depend, depend on. on. Yeah. That's all you get. So, looking ahead to this week in college football, what matchups jump out at you, Trent? Hmm. And while you, while you figure that out. I was looking at the Rams, who they got. Well, talk to me. Oh, all right, hold on. Uh, I was back. To <laughs> While you do, I want you. I want you. I want you to wrap your head around this. Le'Veon Bell. I have a message for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kevin Colbert came out the other day and said it's disappointing that Le'Veon Bell is not in camp that he hasn't reported. If you look at it from the opposite perspective, I'm sure that there are a lot of people around that organization that are like Kevin Colbert. It's disappointing. That you haven't paid. That you have not paid this man. Yeah. <laughs> and fantasy football players are all in full on freak out mode right now. No, I am happier than a happy man. What's up? I actually, 
Trent actually pulled a pulled a matchup and has Le'Veon Bell as an opponent this week and is yeah. tickled to death. Hopefully. I'm not going to be surprised if Le'Veon Bell has less than ten touches opening week. Who wants to? Who wants the? I'm gonna set the. I'm gonna set the over under at nine and a half. Well, I want him to report and play, play. so the guy doesn't sub him out for Connors. Okay. So over under on touches for Levy. I say under. I don't think you he under? plays. You don't think he plays at all. I think Con- Connor is good oh. enough. Connor's so, going to get the lion's share of the carries. If he gets no there doubt. tomorrow, he'll play. He said he'd be there. Somebody said in the organization today that Bell will be there Wednesday. Hold on. If they after they pay him. No, he's no, nah, no. man. Nah, I don't. He see has it the franchise. Yeah, he's got to show up and he's sign the franchise sign tag. He's and the franchise tag is guaranteed. So when he well, he's gets already, there, well, he's already said he's not signing it. So. Oh no, he's signing it. He, I mean, he's going to come in and sign the franchise tag and play this year. And I guarantee you, at this point, the bridges are burnt. He will be playing football someplace else next year. I, oh, there's not a doubt in my mind. He's well, thought, gone. This is the second time he's that he's signed the franchise tag. They can't franchise him again next year. He's gone. Well, yeah, but I thought we decided that no matter what, if he didn't re-sign, he was gone. I think Pittsburgh well, thinks that too. How can oh, I, I think they're resigned to it? How he's can gone. he just up and be gone now? He's no, no, no. He he will sign he the will franchise tag this no, year. No, I know, I get it. I you get can only part. franchise a player twice. This is the second year. Is they can't franchise him a third time. He'll be no. unrestricted free agent next year. He is completely year. unrestricted, and with all that they have put him through for the last couple of years over being unwilling to re-sign, he's going someplace he doesn't get paid. He they will break Gurley's record next year. They also said that they don't think he will try to have as much of a workload this year because of that. I think this may all be played into it because if he shows up the day before the ball game, oh, he's going to get paid regardless. If they if he's a healthy scratch or they only feed him the ball five or six times, Le'Veon Bell and I'm not trying to question what's in his head or his competitive juices or his professionalism or anything else, but a business decision is a business decision. He's made twenty seven million dollars in the last couple of years, and to most of us, we're like, oh my god, twenty seven million dollars. His what did Gurley sign for? Eighty five million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of cheese. Even if he and has a Le'Veon down year, Bell, somebody's going to throw well, money at him. Well, he only gets to do this once. Yeah. I mean, the, well, the, 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 the prospect of him doing another four or five productive years and signing another huge deal is non-existent. Yeah, but the last time – when was the last good Rams quarterback? Last good Rams quarterback? Jim Everett, baby. Falk? <laughs> quarterback oh, running or back? Running back. Did I say quarterback? Yeah. I meant running Rams? back. The uh, Rams? Falk. That was like – Falk. Falk, yeah. And – the Steelers pretty much turn them out regularly. For well, I'm just saying that's he a, should, that's that's absolutely 100 percent right. That's part of Pittsburgh's mindset because you look back to Bettis between Bettis and Le'Veon Bell, there were three or four guys that ran for a thousand yards. Fast Willie Parker, UNC guy. Yeah, who saw Willie Parker coming up? He's all pro running back by the time they got done with it. All that being said, Le'Veon should have gone ahead and signed and been in camp. It's still what 14 plus million. No, he's going to make 16. 16. 16.3. Yeah. $16 million? He's actually, oh, actually going to make more money. He's going to make it whether he signed it a month and a half ago or tomorrow. He's going to make more money signing the franchise than what he was asking for. But only for one he's year. He's going to be losing $800,000 starting this week for every week that he's not there. Yeah, oh, he'll be so there. So he won't be he'll making He'll be there prior 16. to week one. There's, there's no doubt. So he's just trying to make a point. Yeah, he's I don't been know trying to make a point for years. I think he's going to have the worst year he has, 
but he will still make bank in free agent. And some say it will cost him in free agent. I disagree. Um, if he tries to take it easy a little bit, somebody's still going to be like, F this, we're taking Honestly, it. Honestly, if he went out this year and carried the ball 400 times, I, wouldn't I think that, that would scare teams yeah. off more than, oh, well, he light load. There's only I, so many miles Steelers, you those legs. I think you should show uh, throw the ball to Antonio Brown as much as you can this year. <laughs> I bet you do. I bet you do. My first round. And play. Antonio Brown feels the same way, so – We'll see how this all shakes out. But you the, the bottom line, the economics of the NFL, you can only throw around so many dollars. Antonio Brown's on a huge deal. Ben's on a huge deal. You, you he's know, not, there's, he's gone. Who? Bell? Bell. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think Pittsburgh has any, any desire baby. to bring him back after this year. You're listening from the Cheap Seats, got half an hour to go. Thanks for hanging out. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to the Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Professor Trent Nichols. We've been here for the whole thing. The new guy. Did a good job last half hour, man. Thanks, man. To to come in cold like that? I can just jump in. I'm like Gruden. Like, I can just work... (laughs) How how much did Gruden actually work for ESPN? He got all that money and he would just come in like once a month and go, you know, man. Um, yeah, I know. And they're like, hey, can you do the quarterback camp thing for us where you show up and uh, you know meet and look at film with these guys? Yeah, sure, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Just like every other Sunday, man. Yeah, you know, I'm and throw it through and the, Monday. Throw it through what kind of hole was he throwing it through? I'm gonna through throw a turkey it through the, hole. Turkey hole. The turkey hole. I, I, I don't even know what a turkey tur- hole. I don't. I don't think it is a turkey hole. Anyway, so in the NBA, we're three weeks away. We're gonna pretend baseball's not happening right now. We, we promise that when the playoffs roll around here in the next month, we'll be Whenever on that. Bro, I like was watching ESPN while I was doing some laundry last night. No, and I flipped it over to the U.S. Open, and I was like. There was an A's game at the same time on, and I was like, no, nah, I, I can't watch tennis. Let me – because my kids aren't here. Let me flip it back to baseball, and I'm like, uh, I was so torn. I tennis didn't wins. Yeah, every time. Just tennis, U.S. Open. Sorry, baseball. <laughs> it just is what it is, man. I think that I've said this before, and it gets worse and worse every season. I don't think there are any MLB fans left. 
I think that what you have is pockets of fans of particular teams. I try, Trent. Do you? I try. You hard. can't, though, can it's you? Hard. I, if the Reds aren't playing, I cannot watch the game. There are no. too many other compelling, exciting options that are on television. I have a playoff watcher. I, lo- oh, I playoffs, enjoy the playoffs, playoffs every game. But 162 games of regular you season. You said there was a wild card battle going on. I'm, I'm, honestly, oh, I didn't brother. even know. The National League wild card races. Like the Phillies silly. and the Braves are somewhere Brewers. doing awesome. Brewers. Brewers are gaming half up on everybody right now. So, I don't know, man. They got to do a better job of filtering in noise on TV broadcasts <laughs> because it seems like. That's why you won't hear the sound at Buffalo Wild Wings because baseball is not exciting enough until the World Series. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you got to hear the nothing. crowd. There's got to be a little crisp in the air in, you know, October. You got to hear the fan. Otherwise, it just seems like like bridge club. But I mean, see, you, you got to be really careful with doing that. Can you imagine if they if they actually had boom mics out there in Philadelphia, and you could hear the conversations going on, you know, across the dugout wall between the fans and the guys down in the dugout? Oh my God! That would, you know what? That would be amazing. I'm all for you, that. You just fix baseball. I know, right? Can you imagine? That's better than us. We, you know, we had ideas. Well, wild animals they in the should. outfield. No, that's legit for you, real. Mike, the players have to show it on Showtime or HBO. Like the players. I mean, the comments that you read about what Vado says to fans that give him grief, yeah. are brilliant. I think you split screen and you can choose the choose. volume. And then you have you can choose on the two guys, Yankee fans, out in the same outfield seats they've had for thirty years, and you can hear them talk. There's not one good college football game next weekend. Clemson, Texas A and M, maybe. Everything else is garbage. Jimbo Fisher's going to get USC versus Stanford. Ugh. Nothing. Nothing. No. Ohio State, Rutgers. You know what? Georgia, South Carolina. So, I know we have the Thursday night game. Are there any Saturday NFL games, or are they deferring to no, the, not the NCAA? No, there's, Saturday doesn't usually start till later I in the gotcha. season. I thought maybe they'd throw one in there. No, but we I got Thursday so. night. Who Philly's, Philly's playing on Thursday night? Who Thursday, Philly versus Hotlanta. All right, Philly. Dude. The Battle of the Birds. The Battle birds of the Birds. Taking us but off. But you got one busted, horrible bird starting a quarterback for Philadelphia. Nick Foles, man, had his moment in the sun. He has been hot garbage in the preseason mm-hmm. and looks very much like a backup. Carson Wentz is not ready to come back. They're trying to pretend that they're holding him out. They're not holding him out. He's not ready. Well, this game is definitely more important, I think, to Atlanta than the Eagles. I wouldn't be surprised to see Atlanta win this big. Uh, well, yeah, Philly's favored by two. I wouldn't be surprised I, to see Philly get blown out. Yeah, I'm thinking. Now, Julio Jones, he – he averages more yards against the Eagles than any other team that he plays. How many does he average? 123. That's pretty impressive. I think that I think Atlanta wins a big. B, where are you at with that? Uh, I, it's just too hard to say. Thursday games are like so hard. Maybe the first one of the year is good. Hmm. I say maybe Atlanta, um, but it's just hard to say, man. You're talking about Philly. They won the Super Bowl last year. A couple of games you need to watch for in my opinion. Feeble opinion. Well, hold on. You you want to go through them all? We can. You want to pick, pick, pick your highlights first. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm interested in the San Francisco, Minnesota. Got Kirk Cousins at Minnesota. You got Garoppolo in San Francisco. I'm just curious. 
to see how that plays out. I think Jarek McKinnon going down for the 49ers is enormous. You don't think Breda can just step right in no. there? No. I, my, my problem with San Francisco, I'm on – in yeah. fact, I picked Jimmy Garoppolo in our quarterback's you know, rising to elite level. You look at that squad, man, and the talent that's around him, the weapons just aren't there yet. And McKinnon is a guy who's been on the cusp. And when he's had chances to play, has has really flashed well. Now he's gone for the year. I'm really concerned about the the weapons around Garoppolo. And that Minnesota defense is going to give him a lot to look at. So I'm. Uh, I think Minnesota I'm, destroys them. Well, I'm. I'm not going to say destroy, but I got. I got Minnesota I by it, two touchdowns. I can see. I can see it being kind of a high scoring affair. Really? I take Minnesota yeah. in series okay. all day. So I got Minnesota in two touchdowns. Where are you at? Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, they're going to win by ten at least. Brandon, I say what, ten points, Minnesota. So we're all taking Minnesota. I think it's going to be in the twenties, thirty something to twenty something. Okay. I. Um, I one, think San Francisco. I think Minnesota's defense will hold them to three points. Wow! Nah, that's not going to happen. Watch. That's not going to happen. Watch. Um, Nedge is going to be pulling for Garoppolo so hard yes. that that's impossible for it to happen. The other game I'm interested in is Houston at New England. I want to see how Deshaun Watson bounces back. You got Captain America back playing defense. Raised what forty for now. Point? Yeah, forty some odd million dollars for that, Katrina. That victims. is one of the most amazing things an athlete's ever done. So that's going to be some of the storyline, and that is amazing. Just try to try to start off for like a couple hundred thousand dollars and get that much money, and then what I am calling either this year or next year, and this is a weak hot take, but New England is finally going to deconstruct, dude. I just do not see them being the New England of old. I think it happens this year. What will happen? Brady's older. Gronk talked about quitting last year. The defense, I don't believe it. I don't believe in their defense. You got Edelman out for the first four games. I think at some point, Belichick, you know, the relationships have just eroded over the years. Now, prove me wrong, but at some point, the ship's got to stop, right? Somewhere. It's, some it's, it's so somewhere. hard, though. It's so hard to believe that. You know what I mean? And I I think it's inevitable. And you were the one that said a 16 was going to win against a 1, right? In the NCAA, In the NCAA. tournament, I did say that. So <laughs> I'm going to have to I'm going to have to believe that this is the year and you will be right. All right, I'm not going to bet against Brady until I see him fail, but the difference this year for me is the fact that that perfect relationship between Belichick and, and Brady, I think it's over. I think they're they're staying in this for the kids at this point, <laughs> and the divorce is there, and they're married in name only at this point. Well, Brady, you throw the Gronk situation in and there. And Brady's doctors back on trips – the doctor traveled with Brady to Charlotte. If you think he's not cheating with the doctor, you're confused. Well, I'm just saying. So you've got check. the mistress. You've got the disgruntled teenage kid that they can't control anymore with Gronk. This family is is on the – they're on the rocks. Yep. And when you look at the wide receiving core, last year we actually asked the question, is this the best New England offense ever? And now you pivot. Who's he going to throw the ball to? Yeah. I mean, when Hogan is your number one receiver, it's crazy. Eesh, 
Michelle is hurt. Burkhead's hurt. Hey, fantasy owners, Jeremy Hill could get 35 carries this week. I think that the writing is on the wall, but I am not going to put any money on that because I'm not going to bet against Brady. I've been burnt too many times before. I believe in Brandon Atkins. Games that you, I'm putting you get it on there. I got one on. more that I think is interesting. I think it's the um, the late Monday nighter. Who Rams? The Rams at Oakland. Oh God! It's just intriguing. Oof. If you can stay up that late, I think it's you get to see the Rams in yeah. all their glory. The Rams are my pick to go to the Super Bowl for the NFC. <laughs> Me too. And and it, I don't think I have a close second to be mm-hmm. honest. Were you are you in agreement with that? Are we all going to be on the same page here? I, it's the team that I I can just look at the players on the roster and go, yes. Yeah. I haven't seen them play. I can't say that I've watched a lot of tape, but I can just see it's the Jimmys and the Joes on the Rams. Who is going to beat this team I, in yeah. the NFC? I don't know. I, see I really that, don't. That, I, the NFC title game is going to be the Vikings and the Rams. I think the Rams win it all this year. Wow. I'm very – there's two games, and I'm a diehard Bronco fan, and I don't even care about this week. Jaguars versus the Giants I think is going to be a heck of a ball game. I think that the Giants on their, are a sleeper team to win their division and make it back into the uh, the playoffs. And I think Jacksonville will be the team that could be the the, the team that gets to the Super Bowl oh, no, over sir. the Patriots. No, sir. So not with Blake Bortles playing quarterback. Nope. I, it's still I, a quarterback league. Not with Bortles. I think with their two-headed monster and their running backs wow. and what they can accomplish, the confidence they have from last year and defense wins championships, not quarterbacks. My second game of the week, which I've never in my life said this, but I am actually really excited for the Steelers versus the Browns. You stole one of mine. Yeah. Talk to me about why you're excited. You know what, dude? I don't know if it's the hard knocks or whatever, and I only watched one episode. This is the year, and my hot take is the Cleveland Browns, I guarantee you 100% will be in the playoffs this year. (laughs) And I think it all starts in week one. They're going to beat the Steelers at home, and it's going to be the biggest victory they've had in four years. And they will make the playoffs at nine and seven. Well, no. I will say that this is the first year. Boom. This is the first year, I think, ever since Tyrod like Taylor 50s, will be in the MVP talk. Oh my! Since God. the fifties, that Cleveland has broken Vegas. Like Cleveland's totally broken Vegas in terms of the playoff picture. Now, I used to be a Cleveland fan before we got the Panthers. I'm to the point now. I remember looking at a buddy and going, but Tim Couch, though, what's up now? And that was a long time ago. That was back in 99. I want to see it to believe it. Just I like the Patriot thing with me. My, I believe my it. My desire the to Browns. see this Cleveland-Pittsburgh game is entirely different than yours. Because you think Pittsburgh's All of this offseason hoopla. The hard knocks. The Baker Mayfield stuff. Blah, 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 blah. But I've heard about Josh Gordon for – Two months. I think that all of that optimism, all of that hope, all of that belief gets snuffed out like a snuff film all in one week, and it's over for Cleveland in week one, and they get dismantled by Pittsburgh. That's what I think is going to happen. They're going to have to move two teams to Baltimore. 
Yes. So there's going to be two NFL teams in Baltimore. Yes. That was even a realistic statement. Pittsburgh would be favored by more than three and a half. Dude. Even for a road team. Everybody is high on Cleveland. That's what happens when you open up betting Watch. across the country to a bunch of amateurs. Is it like, oh, Baker Mayfield! Baker Mayfield! Oh, I my God! S- I didn't mention Baker Mayfield. I Save your money. I got you. Taylor. I know what you said. Save your money. We got 15 minutes to go. Thanks for hanging out with us. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, final 15 minutes. I'm Crystal Lambert, Brandon Atkins, and the professor, Trent Nichols, hanging out. We are wrapping up our NFL talk. I may be fired after my last segment. I, right. Hey, you're entitled to your nonsensical view. That's all right. <laughs> Dude, this might be old news, but I was looking at the, the games. And Washington, uh, Washington is playing at Arizona, and that's not going to be an interesting game. But I look, <laughs> I just saw that they play at University of Phoenix Stadium. You didn't in Glendale. know that? Yeah, that's been. I did not know that. Ten years. For I had no idea. But Glendale, have you ever been to a place that is so good you didn't feel good enough being there? <laughs> wow. Glendale is that place, and I think a lot of myself. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Well, I think they're like kind of Philly where they have all their stadiums right within walking distance of each other. They have the football, hockey, and baseball. Well, they do a good job stadium. of like fitting the, the stadiums inside the bowls of the mountains and stuff like that. I think that's really cool. But I went into like a Rite Aid one time, and I felt like I needed to wipe my feet <laughs> at the door. <laughs> Take your shoes off before you buy ibuprofen. I am surprised, Brandon, that you didn't pull this Dallas-Carolina game out. As one of your one of your key wins, I think it's an enormous game in the NFC. Garbage. I think you've got two teams that are clearly on the second tier, behind probably St. Louis, Minnesota, and maybe Philly in the NFC. I think Carolina and Dallas are have got to be in the conversation until they're not. Is that fair to say? Oh, I think yes. Dallas is out of that conversation. Can I say already. this real quick? I think it's a watch out game for Dallas. I think it's potentially a blowout. And the reason I say this is I follow the Panthers. They usually, this time of the year, have 1 o'clock games. Dallas is going to be playing after 4 o'clock in Charlotte, North Carolina. Carolina's going to game plan for them. They're going to have the fan base, both South Carolina and North Carolina there. You're going to have your, like, fake Dallas fans there. But you're going to be completely overwhelmed. And it's it's one of those games that – Shouldn't be, but it feels like a high-profile brand game, and they're going to throw everything that they have in the till at Dallas. And I feel like you're talking about maybe two or three touchdowns. Who's out for the year now for uh, the Panthers? I don't know who. Who just got hurt? Matt Khalil. Yeah. They've already replaced him. They've replaced him. I know, but you said the way that Matt Khalil goes, that's the way of the Panthers and Cam Newton. 
That was last year, last year. <laughs> <laughs> That was last year. You're now it's up. as Christian McCaffrey goes, oh, so go okay. the Panthers. Sorry. Um, now I know who goes through all the tape. It's you, Trent. I have a, yeah, I have a very good yeah, memory. Right. All right, Buffalo-Baltimore. I think Buffalo's the worst team in the AFC, possibly the worst team in the NFL this year. I think they go to Baltimore and get their feelings hurt. Uh, my question is week one, how many times we're going to see Lamar Jackson on the field? Ooh. Anybody, number of snaps total that Lamar Jackson's on the, on the field. I'm going to give you an over-under of a dozen. We'll go 11 and a half as your over-under. On you got season? the over or the under? No, 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 just no, no. today, In week this one. week. Oh. Week one, snaps on the field. Doesn't necessarily have to touch the ball. I got 11 and a half as your over-under. I'm going to take the under as long as he's in there every time handing off to Allen for a touchdown. Jeez. Thank you. What do you got? Mm, I'll take the under. Take the under? Yeah. All right. Uh, Cincinnati Indy. Andrew Luck is back. Where is it game, at? In Indy or Cincinnati? It's at Indy. Okay. It's at Indy. Um, Cincinnati. Oh, God. I don't even want to. That's that's for a whole nother day. Hold on. I think this is the game that Cincinnati wins. I think Cincinnati should be a prohibitive favorite here. Indy's a flawed team on both sides of the uh, yeah. both sides of the ball. Andrew Luck could. I, I mean, he could pull a rabbit out of the hat. Colts I'm just going to be interested three. as an objective observer to see how Andrew Luck looks playing real football for the first time in a year and a half. You know what it sounds like to me is it sounds like a da na 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 na. No, 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 Whoop, whoop game, like where everybody's scoring on each other Dude. and there's Tech a shadow ball. on the field. Like, you know, those games, no. those early games where there's the shadow. I think Cincinnati stomps on I'm going to tell you that if Cincinnati doesn't get this win, they've got big problems. Can I burn all your Cincy stuff? Uh, no. 24 10, Cincy. 24 okay. 10, you say. Sounds good. Interesting. Um, with the, with the, with the, Schedule that Cincinnati has to play the first six weeks of the year, uh, where you've got you know the Chiefs, the Falcons, the Panthers. This is a must win. Um, mm-hmm. They so have they got be, to get this W and get out of the box hot. They'll be respect, one five. Respect one five. the shoe, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we talked about Houston, New England, Jacksonville, and the Giants. Um, the Giants have gotten a lot of hype. I think everybody wants to see Saquon Barkley, see what he's all about. Yep. How's the hammy? We haven't heard much about it in the last week. I want to see how durable this guy is going to be. Um, that'll be the that'll be where the focus is at there. Tampa, New Orleans. Tampa is a team that everybody's kind of punched out on because of the Jameis Winston suspension. Um, New Orleans has got to get that. If Tampa wins that, that's a big win for them. Tennessee, Miami, I, I think couldn't care less. Yeah, but Although, Tampa, New Orleans, man, they beat each other up in that division. I think division. it's going to be a lot closer than you think. I no. think Tampa could actually beat them. I, think I don't Orleans think so, but they could. Against Tampa Bay at home is a curb stomp game. Okay. Next. Mm, Kansas City, L.A., the Charger types. Kind of Kansas boring. City. Why can't, we get up, why, why can't we get up the, for these games? Though? I mean, Kansas Wait a City, minute. the Pat Mahomes era yeah, begins. the greatest quarterback no, in the history of the league, be according the to Brandon. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm interested to see this guy. the The ship is his. Yep. And guess what? Smith, they they booted him out of town to give Mahomes his just shot. He's Tari- basically a got. rookie. The Tari- Chargers have seen him before. I really the Chargers liked. will go in there and beat them. No, wow. Tariq Hill. Okay. Tra- uh, Travis Kelsey. Timmy Weapons, man. Philip Rivers. You left out the best of the bunch. Oh, huh. Philip Rivers is Sorry. a clutch in the Seattle. Big Denver. Denver got any shot I like at all? Denver. I got Denver in this game. Yeah, absolutely. It's in Denver. Uh, I think they win. Case Keenum, the era begins. Dude, Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller. 
And I haven't even got to Hear mess with you much about the Royce whole Freeman. Paxton Lynch situation. Yeah. John Elway finally, for the first time ever, said, I was wrong. Well. Big of him. Look at the list of quarterbacks he's drafted. Mm-hmm. Dude, when Paxton Lynch gets cut to bring in Chris Hogan, something's not right in Denverland. So get ready, Freeman. Get ready, uh the defense is going to be a long year in Denver. All right. I think we talked about Washington, Arizona briefly. I think the only game we haven't hit on is Chicago, Green Bay, Khalil Mack, over, under on sacks. I'm going to put it one half. You got the over or the under? Um, I like Green Bay. Yeah. You like Green Bay? I think he – What's the over, under? Aaron Ron- half. One half. A-A-Ron gets $50 million per completion. And they win. They go on to win the game. All right, so you got Green Bay. Who you got there, Trent? I'm going to take the over on sacks, but Green Bay stomps the living bejeebas out of them. And I also think the Jets should stay home and the Lions will just win by default. Oh, we almost left that off of there, didn't we? Yeah. Sam Darnold, though, man. I'll be tuned in for sure. Give me a bleh. Dude, Darnold of the rookie quarterbacks in this class is the only one I'm high on. And I'll tell you, dude. I'll tell you, I'm just. I mean, that was coming out of college. I think Darnold is the guy. And I'm telling who I'm pulling for is Teddy Bridgewater. I hope he gets right. I hope he gets right, man. Remember, he's in New Orleans. No, I'm. I'm saying they obviously got rid of him and sent him to New Orleans for a reason. Everybody was talking about this kid like three or four years ago until his leg exploded. He was going to be like top 10 quarterback in the league. I hope he does well for himself. So do you believe that this is a move that the New Orleans Saints can move on from the Drew Brees and transition to Bridgewater and still be contenders? No, I don't. I don't. I think well, – Are you they about contenders this season? now? No, not this season. So two years from now, if Brees retires, they get Bridgewater as their starter. Will they still be considered contenders for the Super Bowl like they are this year? No. No, no, no. Not at all. They're not that good. I mean, they're good every once in a while, but they're not that good. The interesting thing about the the whole Drew Brees moving on Teddy Bridgewater thing is that they have been saying in New Orleans for years, or for at least the last year, that they had their backup. And that was Taysom Hill. And I, I'm I'm confused. Are there heir apparent? Yeah, I'm, I'm confused as to, as to what happened with that because Bridgewater. Now the other thing about Teddy Bridgewater, I, I ask you, Trent, did New York sell high or low on Bridgewater? Mm, I think they sold low because he probably would have had an opportunity to play a few games this yeah. year with the Jets. And so, they didn't want Darnold looking over his Yeah, I think shoulder. so too. Because Bridgewater was the best quarterback in the preseason for that team. So I think if anything, they sold with whatever they could get. They just wanted him out of the building so Darnold Darnold's confident. psyche was intact. You, that's like that's we always talk about. Once you rattle a quarterback's confidence, it's over. You're, and once, you're Breeze, right about that. once Breeze is gone, Peyton's gone. That whole regime yeah. is gone. You know what I mean? So they'll just start over in New Orleans. So Well, I honestly believe that they think that this is going to be a smoother transition with Bridgewater and they'll still be. I don't think that I don't I don't think that's totally true unless they lose on the back end of the Breeze. If they're competitive and they're in the playoffs, I think Peyton will stay. Have Thank you um done Super Bowl picks? Already? No. 
I think we should we reserve that until after do. week one so that we I don't think so. Oh, you go ahead. Who you got? I got the Illustrated Oscar. already did it. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to take the Rams and Bengals. Oh, you're freaking nuts. The Rams and Bengals? He's going to take the Panthers and the Chiefs. There's like an asteroid heading for us like right now. Who are you taking? You're not really taking the Rams and the Bengals. Yeah, yeah. Go. Okay, Brandon, no, you go. Before he starts talking about the Bengals for an hour. Um, I was going to ask you, and he fired that off like he had, he's a homer with the Bengals. Okay, um, well, my one is very hard because as much as now I'm supporting Brandon Atkins in his statement, my initial pick a week ago was the Rams are going to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So you've got, you're going out on a limb there and predicting New Orleans or uh, New England goes back to the Super Bowl. Yes, fair enough. I, I do want to I do want to qualify this whole thing and say that you're giving me grief about picking Cincinnati to go to the Super Bowl. This is a team that made the playoff five straight years ago, up to two years ago. Same core group intact that's been decimated by injuries, but you took and just guaranteed. On air that a team that is one in thirty one for the last two seasons is they going to make playoffs, the playoffs nine and seven. Yeah. All right. I'm going You know what? The one thing the Bengals should have changed, and this is was Marvin probably Lewis. eight years ago. Yeah. So Boom. until then, I don't think they'll go back to the Super Bowl. All right. You guys do realize Drew Brees is going to become the all time passing leader in NFL history this year. That's awesome. That's By the way, uh, it's Rams, Rams Jaguars. Rams Jaguars. Oh, he stole my other thunder. Oh man. Thanks for hanging out with us from the cheap seats coming from Sanford, North Carolina. We love you guys. Peace. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.